The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. Lead pass. Whoa! Pass deflected, stolen by Noah. Noah on the runway. Noah with the right hand and dunk. Counted the foul. I don't believe what I just saw. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan open. Chicago with the lead. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth. NBA championship. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the new Three Alphas podcast. My name is Joe, and I'm joined by my two teammates, my two other alphas, Dan Meehan and Ross Reed. What's up, boys? I'm what's all up, good, gentlemen? Joe. How's it going, man? I'm awesome. How are you guys? Fucking Super pumped. Duper. We're ta- we're ta- by the way, we're taping this right be- a couple hours before the NFL draft hits night one, so we're all jacked for the Bears, too, um, along with Talking Bulls, so we got a lot of a lot of energy going on up in here. So, Energia, as they say in Spanish. I'm probably making that up. I, I, in fact, I know I'm making that up, but it, it, sounds, it, it, sounds, it, sounds, it sounds right. It sounds right. It sounds, you know what, Energio. Let's just go the George W. Bush route. Make it completely wrong. Uh, so uh, in this episode, uh, we're going to kind of quickly recap the Last Dance episodes one and two, just because we're about oh, what four or five days removed from when it aired. And honestly, I don't know if anything that we give you from like our opinion, analysis, or whatever is, you know, not to say that important, but if it's gonna like you know, blow your hair back. So we just want to touch on that and we'll get into the preview of episode three and four. And Ross has his awesome son on, uh, on camera right now. Hey man, he's a good looking kid. Yeah. So if you hear him in the background, he's, okay. he's got some interesting thoughts on, uh, I would like to hear his thoughts. I would. On, 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 on Milt Newton. On Milt Newton. Doesn't that <laughs> sound like a Franklin, the turtle character? This is big, Milt Newton. Big Milt Newton guy. Reminds me of Fig Newton and uh, Ricky Bobby when he had... Uh, this sounded Newton. dangerous and inconvenient. But <laughs> I, I, I do love Fig Newtons. Uh, so we're going to preview episode three and four, which is the Bad Boys episode with uh, Dennis Rodman, which should be extremely interesting. I'm, I'm, hyped. I'm hyped for that. And then we'll go into the GM. I'm for, hyped, gonna... you fuck! Sorry, I, I okay, couldn't. So, okay, I, heard so, so. Hyped. I heard hyped and I got hyped. This is not my fault. It is all your fault. This is not my fault. You said it, not me. Uh, then we'll uh, we'll touch on uh, more in depth into the GM search, which hasn't really been talked about too much because there's just no information out there. But we think there's enough out there to give you our thoughts on where things are at and how the search is going, where it might be going, and all that good stuff. So kicking it off, episodes one and two of The Last Dance. Like, there's such a buildup for it. Did you do you think it met the hype, exceeded the hype? Like what what was your initial when you first started watching it? What how did it kind of hit you? Um it I okay, so I'll I'll abstain from my true opinion because I saw it kind of after the fact, because I had to record it and it was something initially my fiance didn't want to watch, and then she did want to watch. So I kind of already had an idea of what to expect going into it, but I'll so I'll let you guys kind of chime in first on the you know, initial thought, because I already kind of had an idea. So, you know, the the whole thing is about the last dance, which is the final uh, championship run season for the Bulls, but we have a whole generation of people out there that actually never saw that season. (laughs) He has thoughts on the the dance, too. 
I agree, hundred percent. So you had to, so you had to create a backstory, right? So you needed those first two episodes to create a backstory of how competitive an SOB Michael Jordan was, how pissed off Scottie Pippa was, the Jerry Krause stuff, the Jerry Reinsdorf stuff, the Phil Jackson stuff, all so on and so forth. Now you set a nice base. Now let's like get into like the actual last dance season stuff like that. But I, I liked it because it was a good refresher for a lot of people that that lived through those times. And it's not the backstory for the people that never saw it. I guess you could say Ross is all about that base, but no treble. I, I'll, I'll stop. Can you, sing, can, you, can you sing it? No, I'm not going to sing it for you. I'll sing you Kiss from a Rose by Seal, though. Ooh. Stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs> Where Dan goes, Ham. He was playing Jenga last week playing Jenga last week with a coat hanger and he's going to sing Kiss from a Rose in our next episode. Dig it. Uh, my thoughts were, I, so I watched with my dad and uh, my dad is 61. So I was born in 87. So I I remember more of the second three-peat and where I was when, um, was it 97 or 98 when the, the Bulls just absolutely smashed Utah at home by like 50-some points. That's, and I remember the final shot. So there, there are memories and they're imprinted in my head that I remember from the championship, but he remembers more. He remembers when Jordan was drafted, you know, when they got Scotty and Horace, when they won their first title and everything. So as I'm watching with him, I'm looking for his reacts and how it kind of takes him back. And that for me was almost as cool as watching a documentary because I got to share something with my dad during, you know, it kind of sucks with the quarantine and everything going on. But the advantage is I got to watch a really awesome documentary with somebody that lived through it that I, you know, obviously love. And had you know share a passion for sports with, so that was really cool. And then he the was fire into passion. He 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 didn't know a lot about uh, <laughs> he didn't know as much about the documentary as I did. You know, he kind of found out I think a couple of weeks before that it was coming, just because he doesn't really keep up with a lot of stuff. And so he had no expectations. And the first ten minutes in, when they they took their break, or first fifteen minutes when they took their break, he said, like, "This is awesome." And I liked how they jumped around. They, they went to the end of it, and they went back to the front, and they kind of mixed everything in. It was a little bit, uh, you call it maybe um, David Fincher-ish with, with some stuff. I, I like that aspect of it from a production standpoint. And it just it sends chills up your spine. And as a Bulls fan, for sure, yeah, we're going to be biased. I just thought it was really well put together. It, it teased everything, um, the stuff you, that you learned about that maybe you didn't know like Scotty's contract. I didn't know Scotty was 6'1 when he went to Central Arkansas as an equipment manager, and he grew, and that's when he got on the map. I didn't know that. So there were some things that I learned. But I thought it was freaking awesome, man. And, the, and to see the impact it had, too, on sports, like the sports media as a whole, like my timeline was all last dance that night. I know, Ross, you were, you were tweeting, so maybe you have more insight to, like, the activity, too. But the numbers they pulled, not just ratings, but on Twitter, there's 20 of the 20 uh, top 25 trends that night were from that documentary that in the United States, that's fucking crazy. It's, I just, I don't know. It just blows my mind every time we get into the, to the bulls and like their impact and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to disagree with you, but as I, I, as I said, I, I watched it a little bit after the fact. So I heard some bits and pieces here and there. So I kind of had a, like an ideology of what to, of what to expect when going into watching it. What, what I kind of took from it, and I, like you guys, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, like I said, it was something initially my fiance Brittany, didn't want to watch. And then I kind of was talking to her about what some of the guys at work were saying. And she's like, you know, do you can we watch this together? And it was kind of cool. Like, not that my fiance hates sports or anything, but she likes football. She, you know, she grew up as a competitive cheerleader, so she was always at football. Basketball was something that I kind of like, or obviously love, you know, I do a freaking podcast with you two jamokes for god's sake but hey hey I'm, i take offense snowflake <laughs> <laughs> but she she ended up watching it and she like you know everyone especially if you don't pay attention much to basketball i'm born in 90 so i'm younger than both you and ross i'll be 30 in august so like i remember the last two titles kind of sort of ish but i don't remember them if that makes sense like i remember watching them do I have any like impression of them and de- like that was indelible upon me? No, like I, I don't. I'd be lying if I said I did. But it's like 
it's so such an interesting dynamic to like you you see these stories and you're watching with someone who doesn't really know much about the 90s bulls other than the fact that they were awesome and she's like listening to michael talk and she goes for lack of a better term you know michael's kind of a douche i go oh yeah michael's a giant pain in the ass you know forgive the term but i have no other term to describe he's a cocksucker he's the best at what he did he's the best winner probably next to bill russell the nba's ever seen he is the goat for most people but they're the reason he is that that guy on the court is that mentality you know we heard the mamba mentality and everything but this is i think especially for the younger generation or the generation that didn't really pay much attention to basketball is now seeing and like you joe i didn't i didn't know much about scotty other than you know i knew he went to central arkansas and kraus you know traded up to go get him and whatnot but the overall like his brother getting paralyzed in a wrestling match in high school his dad being wheelchair ridden you know and and him having like what seven siblings or something like that in total i want to say so it was like it was really interesting to get a backstory on scotty himself especially because the first episode was very as it should have been for probably jordan centric right i agree because you hear like michael getting cut uh from his high school team right which there there's more truth to you know there's more facts that came out afterwards that you know it wasn't always that he just uh he didn't he was make cut in varsity he made jv right, right exactly but we know about that so we know more about the come up and the backstory of jordan pippen though he's like a small forward from central arkansas it's like okay past that and him getting, you know, traded from the Sonics with Horace to Chicago, you didn't know about that stuff, right? You knew about Michael's dad. You knew about Michael's brother. You knew about Michael's mom. Didn't know much about Scotty. So I thought that that was kind of cool that they, you know, went to the background of, of Scotty a little bit more. Um, yes. You know, Scotty Pippen um, traded to the Bulls on draft day uh, for Olden Polonies. That, that was the... That was the I famous don't believe trade. that's a person. You're making people up. <laughs> Olden Polonies not... had a very solid career in the NBA. He just was no Scottie Pippen. Um, you know, Dan, you talked like, about he sounds the, like a fra- he sounds like a fragrance. If you look him up, he's a very very yeah, strange yeah. looking guy too. Um, <laughs> you, know, Dan, you, talked about, you talked about Jordan being a, a an asshole and stuff like that. It's like you know he was an asshole, but I I think you if you recall the clip where you know he wanted to play. Uh, it was his second season. He's coming off a broken leg um, that he missed most of the season. And the Bulls are like 30 and 50 or something like that fighting for the last playoff spot. And they put him on a minutes restriction. And the guy was just so damn competitive. He just wanted to win and he go out. He wanted to go out there and play basketball and wanted to finish that game. John Paxson, the, uh, the former now VP of operations, John Paxson, uh, was the one that hit the game-winning shot. And the first guy on the court celebrating with his team is Michael Jordan. Like, you know, everything that he did in terms of his personality or, or anything like that, or, or just being him, him kind of being a jerk, whatever was all because he just wanted to be the best ever and, 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 and be the best whoever was. And that's how, yeah. that's how he got to that level. You heard Larry Bird call him. He said, you know, God came down and, and, and wore gym shoes tonight and, and torched us. You know, that's the kind of who it is. And Scotty Pippen, I think, you know, Scotty's background, Kind of was that that drive and that fire to get to get him to to being you know one of the fifty greatest players of all time. Or and you know we're gonna see the next episode of Dennis Rodman. You're gonna see that same drive and fire too. Because if you think Scotty's background and, and his upbringing is difficult, wait until you hear about Dennis Robbins. He has a very very difficult uh, background and upbringing. But you know I, I think my biggest takeaway from it too is is two things. Is number one. I wish Jerry Cross was still alive as you play devil's advocate to kind of like, so you can hear his side of the story because I don't think it was necessarily completely fair that everybody just dogs him without hearing his side of the story. He, he did some really bad things. I get it. And he broke up a dynasty, but I still would like to have heard his side of it. And I think the second thing is these guys are, are athletes. They're basketball players. They're great basketball players, but they ain't perfect. And they're not necessarily heroes. They're and, humans. You know, right. Exactly. You know, and Scottie Pippen certainly had his flaws. You know, he, he probably should have, like you heard, the rehabbing stuff. And I didn't want to fuck up my summer, as he said, and, you know, rehabbing. And, you know, Scotty, you know, had, you know, he sat out of play in a playoff game because Phil Jackson called the final shot for Tony Kukoc. 
and Scotty was pissed off. He he threw a chair. He you know he he's got a very complicated history as well. So as does Michael Jordan with the gambling stuff and whatnot. So these guys are definitely not perfect. I think that's what makes it all the more intriguing to me is these guys really were rock stars back then. And rock stars are very problematic. I mean, these guys are human, right? They're 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 perfect. They're they're athletes. Um, and at the end of the day, we love them and we revere them, but they not they aren't necessarily role models, as as the famous Charles Barkley commercial in the past would say. I'm not a role model. You know, Michael Jordan had a problematic past. Scottie Pippen had a problematic past as well. The you know sitting out you know play you know with Tony Kukoc and and Phil Jackson and, and throwing a chair and stuff like that. So. I, you know, these guys were rock stars back then, and, and rock stars have they have flaws. I think that's why people are so intrigued and engaged on this is because they want to see greatness and how they did it, but also see the complicated backstory that everybody has. If they were if they were if they were all saints and choir boys, we wouldn't we wouldn't care. We wouldn't watch this. But we know Michael Jordan has that personality, so we're like, man, I gotta hear these stories about Mike. Yeah, I think Absolutely. he. Th- th- we've kind of built up for the NBA and fans, even some players alike have, have kind of built up the Bulls and Jordan as some sort of mythological like team and, and existence and like they had that they had no flaws, right? Or that you glossed over them. I think getting into the assholeness of, you know, or um, the cocksucker. Uh, cocksucker. Kind of not 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 nickname, but the moniker for you know who Jordan was, and even Scotty too. It kind of it kind of humanizes them, and it's like these. Yeah, you're right. These guys aren't perfect, and in a sense, the Bulls dynasty is the standard, right? So, kind of I, I don't know how, to, how what I'm trying to say here, but I don't know if you guys kind of get what I'm saying. Uh, but it's almost like this this humbling kind of feeling, like wow, they did have issues, right? that there's all this stuff going on, that they still won, but there's all this shit going on with each individual guy, then yeah. collectively and all these different layers happening, that's like, damn, wow. It's kind of, I don't know, it kind of hit me a little bit different. Not not bad. It wasn't bad by any means. It just made me think a little bit differently about the dynasty and, and kind of them as a whole and them individually. So kind of just to leapfrog off of Ross, what he said earlier about Kraus, I had a very room temperature take of, Yes, my memories of Krause are very bad. My memories of Krause are him trading Elton Brand and drafting Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry. And the start of really kind of the the baby bull era with like Heinrich and Dang and Gordon and Duhon and all those guys. But the initial rendition of them was not good. Eddie Curry bombed out of the league. Tyson Chandler with the Bulls is not the Tyson Chandler the NBA knows today who's like, a former defensive player of the year and veteran stalwart in the room to like kind of set a tempo for you. Those bull teams that I first remember and I'm like, have like very cognizant memory of are Tim Floyd coached and Jerry Krause put together. I have a very bad taste in my mouth from Jerry Krause as the bulls fan of the age that I am, but I don't think it's fair to him. So the way they almost danced on his grave where he can't, the man can't defend himself. He's dead. He's been dead, what, three years now? So it's it's not exactly a fair fight. Did Krause have his warts, as Ross said? Of course he did. He was a snake oil salesman. He was very underhanded. He did what he had to do, or he did what he had to do to what for what he thought was right and to make a win. Did he go about it the right way? Absolutely not. But I don't necessarily like how they're portraying it because the man can't even defend himself. And I think it's a really poor look, in a sense, for a guy that did help bring six titles to the Chicago Bulls. And that's... you have to wonder, as oh, sorry, Joe, I was going to say you have to wonder, as vindictive a guy as Michael Jordan is. I mean, this is the same guy that during his Hall of Fame speech looked at Jerry Cross in the audience and said, "I don't even know why you're here. I didn't. Who invited you?" And at the same time, like, you know, told his kids during the speech, like, boy, you guys have a troubled life ahead of you because I'm your father and everybody's going to think that you should be the next Michael Jordan. I mean, he he is that kind of guy. You have to wonder if Michael Jordan greenlit this project only after the fact of Jerry Krause's passing just to further, you know, 
sling mud at him. I mean, we'll, we'll to, never know to that. Bury him further. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll never know that. But it wouldn't. It, I I wouldn't put put it past Michael to do something like that. That's interesting. Should. That's an interesting um, kind of point there, Ross. Because I was kind of thinking too. If this footage has been around for you know since '98, right? What was the spark? Was it Kraus? Was it LeBron beating Cleveland? Or not yep. beating Cleveland, beating Golden State with Cleveland? Well, yep. For money, yeah. But what was kind of, was it his for, to protect his legacy, right? He always tells you he's not, he doesn't worry about being the best. And deep down, I think he does. You know, that's oh, he absolutely does. He's very insecure, actually. I think he's very insecure. Well, yeah, it's, it, what makes him great, and, I, and I've kind of thought about this for a while, and I'm sure you guys have too, is what makes him great is his competitiveness, right? Um and that drive to never, ever let up. And the problem with that is it spills over to his personal life. It doesn't turn off. And when he's off the court. Well, look at his 18-month vacation, as he called it. Where did that, – that competitiveness got him retired, we'll call it. Yeah. And uh, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't think – He went down conspiracy theory lane. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I I have a very hard time. A guy that could have had a legitimate shot at a six feet or an eight feet is just walking away from the game. That's just me. That's <laughs> fair. That's it's, fair. You know, it's that's another unanswerable question. We'll never really get the answer to. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of people believe that the gambling uh, made him step away from the game, and and he was suspended under the table by David Stern. A lot of people think that, hey, the guy tragically lost his father over the summer and he needed a mental break. And well, his, father, his father. Right. Well, that's another thing. You know, his father adored <laughs> baseball and, and always wanted his son to be a baseball player over a basketball player. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I can't wait for the next episode because, you know, now you get a very, you get another uh, very eccentric personality in, in, in sports history, Dennis Rodman. And, um, you know, I, I haven't heard. I mean, I obviously haven't seen any of the future episodes, but you know, it's going to be an opportunity to to shed a light on some of these other guys uh, throughout the dynasty era that need some Absolutely. more respect. Tony Kukoc needs more respect. He was an awesome player, a great six man, uh, great player coming out of split Croatia when the, when the Bulls drafted him. Um, BJ Armstrong, hell of a role player, hell of a role player, very Johnny feisty Big guy. Shot. Absolutely. Me. So, you know, even Luke Longley, the the uh, the Australian, the big Australian center back in the day. So it's going to be really fun to see going the forward. The original Australian center. Don't yeah. you slander the name of Cameron Bearstow, okay? Yeah. Oh, Cameron Bearstow. <laughs> Dude, those knee-high socks, those rugby socks still get me every time. It's like you walking on the court. With <laughs> I'm those. sorry, guys. I heard Australian <laughs> center and my, my brain just left me. For Here's also what I'm going to say on the documentary, and it and and it's gonna it's gonna shine a light to a lot of kids, and I call them kids because if if you were if you were born probably at the year this document this this final run came, you're a kid in my eyes. You're gonna realize that Michael Jordan, right? You're gonna realize Michael Jordan didn't just play plumbers to get six rings. He played some pretty healthy, stiff. Like outstanding. No, he played short white guys like Wilt Chamberlain right. Ross. All exactly. Right. <laughs> right. But but LeBron was never guarded by JJ Barrera in the NBA Finals. That never happened. And he also <laughs> was never benched because he couldn't play defense like Steph Curry. <laughs> but and that's our course. that's our only unanimous league MVP. But that's none of my business. We'll say we'll save that conversation when they do the last <laughs> flop. The last flop twenty years from now. The LeBron. Oh. Oh, slander. Dude. <laughs> the slander. The last cramp. <laughs> but that's the thing about, like, and I don't want to get into Jordan versus LeBron, but it's like you have these memories of, like, the, those moments for LeBron that, like, there's the, the, the cramp, right, the flop. When you think of Jordan, they're, they're not those moments. I mean, yeah, he got beat, but they're not those embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? There's not those... Where everybody it's not laughed like at him. Getting wheeled off, uh, right? That's what stomach issues or cramping, whatever it was. So, yeah, Jordan's a goat. There, there's no other argument for that. You know, LeBron can have two. That's what. That's where we'll go. Unless Dan disagrees. Dan, you disagree, don't you? I, I'm not saying nothing. Oh, it's two against one, so your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm also going to be getting married. My opinion already doesn't matter. Oh, dude, man. Um, 
you guys want to flip over to the GM search? Let's, yeah, well, let's get let's get Ross's guy Milton Newton in the building. Here he comes. Big <laughs> Newton. Newton. Um, so we, if, if he gets hired, can we call him the Fig? We can. Yeah. AK and the Fig. I like AK and the Fig. Sounds like a show that should be, be careful on. with how you say it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a show that should be on TNT on Tuesdays, 8 p.m. <laughs> hey, is it a buddy cop show, Ross? It is a buddy cop. Yeah, it is. What was that? What was that show with um with Mark Paul, Mark Mark Paul Gossler and the guy from Road Trip? Franklin and Bash. Oh, right Franklin after Bash. Franklin and Bash, here's AK and the Fig. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. And then, and then we're going to get a crossover because TNT owns TBS, so it's going to be a crossover on TBS from TNT. Oh, my God. We have too much time on our hands, guys. Whoa, hell no, we don't. Coming uh, up after AK and the Fig, Transformers 3 for the fourth time today. And see hey, Megan Fox's bad oh. plastic surgery. Okay. Don't hate those Transformers movies. I, I actually enjoy watching those movies. I know some of them. It was made by Michael Bay. You have no taste, so you love everything Michael Bay. <laughs> Bay is awesome. What are you talking about? Yeah, you can go watch Spencer Unleashed or Unlimited on Netflix too. You can have that too. Hell yeah! I think Bay gets, <laughs> Bay gets hated on too much. I know he's got some bad movies, but he also is his action. This is like people who claim Will Smith is the best actor in Hollywood, and he hasn't made a good movie in a decade. The Rock, The Island, Bad Boys. Bad Boys was released in 96, friend. <laughs> I'm going to mute you, you know that? It's going to be two alphas. I'm going to get, I'm gonna get uh, Brandon. You can't be the three alphas without Ron. I'm going to get Bradley to come on. He's in the three alpha. Third alpha. All right. Um, Who is Bradley? <laughs> My kid. Thanks for listening, Dan. Thanks. That's okay. I That's apologize. Fun. I Thanks. hope nobody Thanks heard for it. Up. I, I, I called your kid Brandon at first, and I was like, shit. Oh, and now it's like, no, it's Bradley. So I'm, I apologize. It's going I'll, take a lap. I'll take a lap. <laughs> uh, so where, like, I don't even, All right. where are we with, like, the GM search? We don't even, we're in the, like, the interview stage, right? Like, do we even know where we are in this, in this search? It the, sounded like yesterday... Yeah, I was going to say, it sounded like yesterday, um, I think Casey Johnson tweeted out that they got their list of guys, and they're in that initial interview stage, and they're probably going to finalize it maybe by the end of this week to get it to that second and maybe final interview stage going into next week. But, you know, we don't even know when the NBA is coming back. We don't know when the draft is going to happen. I There is no rush. I'm okay with them taking their time. Um, I think the franchise itself is probably okay with them taking their time because right now the last dance documentary is going to get all the publicity, uh, from anything bulls related. So, you know, if AK needs three, four weeks to, to find a GM, cool, take it. I mean, like, you know, literally Illinois is under lockdown for the next 30 days. Like, you know, we're good over here, you know, like take your time and find the right guy. No, no, no. No, he disagrees. He disagrees, he disagrees with you, Ross. I want to die. Disagreeing uh, with his parents. God, <laughs> how dare he? It's just crazy because the 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 VP search went so fast, right? Within a week, Karnaschovas was named named the guy, right? And well, now that's because these interviews were probably conducted via teleconference or at All Star Weekend weeks oh, before no, much sure. that happened. For sure, I'm just saying, like you know, it's just not a screeching halt, but the information flow. From where it was to where it is now, is like, I'm not wondering what's going on, but it's like, you know, me and you, me and you, Dan, we would go and like, you mentioned like Joe Branch to me or Milton Newton, and we go do research that night. And like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. And we go on the hunt. And now we can't really do that. So I'm not bored, I would say. I just give me a name to chew on. And the, the, the guy that came out today, um, the, the age. You're bored. Right? It's okay to say you're bored. Oh, yeah. You're not working much. I mean, you're at home. You're bored. It's okay. Don't worry. Austin, Ross is Austin, bored. Dude, Ross is stir crazy. I'm sure he's been at home for two months now. I wouldn't say he's bored, though. Right? He's maybe not bored. Stir crazy, Ross? Is that more apt? Tired of those same 12 walls? Yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that likes to be out a lot and active and walking around and stuff like that. So I get bored in that regard. But What Ross is saying to his audience is he lifts. Okay? He lifts. <laughs> I don't. 
<laughs> I used to. I don't. I don't anymore. Um, One day. What do you guys think about uh, the name that came out today? Uh, and, and it's we don't want to validate the report. It's more of what if Karnaschovas goes this route? Austin Brown, uh, CAA management, correct? Um, he's the yes, agent for Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, D'Angelo Russell, and there was somebody else too, right? Uh, a high Zion. Zion. Uh, there was rumored that he was yeah, close. Uh, Mitchell too. So it was rumored that you know somebody. Oh, I didn't know he was he was Mitchell's. Ross, you, okay. you kind of I, I kind of I kind of woke up to the to the news in our in our Bulls chat. Um, but like maybe you guys can take me down because his name popped up and it was like what's going on and uh, it's not maybe lending credence to the name more so than what happens if Karnaschovas would go the agent route completely. And would you guys like that? Um, you know, that type of t- type of search and that type of decision. I think when you ask that there's a difference between like and accept kind of thing. There's a big, big difference in my eyes. Do I like it? No. A guy who's an agent is not a basketball evaluator he's not a guy who has spent his life toiling watching film coaching and whatnot and that might sound, I might sound like a dinosaur in a 29 year old's body but it's in a sense it's the way of the NBA it's the way it's going like who did a the I'm drawing a blank on his name the New York Knicks just hired a former agent to run all of Leon Rose Leon, Leon Rose like and I get it. I understand it because the NBA, more than any other professional sports organization in the United States, is a player's league. They run the league. Not the owners don't. Like, if LeBron were to go to Genie Bus tomorrow and say, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me. I won't play. You know what would probably happen? He'd get traded because he won't play. That's just how the league is. It's how the league has become. And kind of, you know, rewinding back to our conversation about about Jordan and Pippen and stuff and those contracts they signed. It's prob- that's what why we've gotten to this point. Because owners were devaluing their players and trying to get them for pennies on the dollar versus giving them their worth. But I'm not trying to, you know, sidebar off to that. I'm just saying. But there is a thread. This- there is a thread to going back to Krauss real quick. Because he believed organizations uh, win championships. Won championships, right? not I know- players. I think he maybe brought over too much of his baseball background as far as structure, scouting, and everything. And it didn't necessarily all apply to a league that is so much different than every other because we just said, LeBron, if the Bulls added Giannis tomorrow, the outlook and the trajectory of their team this year and moving forward is completely different than if, hypothetically, let's say Mike Trout were to go to the Cubs and Theo didn't have to give up much for him. You know what I'm saying? It would make them better, but it wouldn't vault them up to, you know, well, it's because it's, it's, it's. I understand what you're saying, but in baseball, you have to wait your turn. In basketball, your best player can touch the ball every right. time down floor. The value of the player is so much different, and the impact, right. and the players are understanding it. So if right. you don't adapt to it, with I sorry, I know I'll, I'll, I'll right. kick it back to you real quick, Dan. I just wanted to. Yeah, I'm, right, right. I'm cutting. I'm cutting you off because I'm the boss. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. You're not Tony Danza. Yeah, I am. I'm the garbage kicking, field goal kicking Philadelphia phenomenon. I okay. <laughs> my, my dad joke, but yes, my dad my dad joke fell on deaf ears. I'm I'm upset. I'm so well, upset I, you might as well call me Drake. I have no well, I have no sense of humor. Well, we know this. That's why you uh, like the office. Whoa, dude. Why? Why? You just like seeing shit burn. That, that's you're well, you're a firefighter. That that makes sense. Uh, yeah, well, no, playing fire. <laughs> it's just it's just more of you know I, it's the adapter die thing that Dan you were kind of talking about. It's like I don't know Ross if you would agree with this, but um, you don't have to like it, but you can either be principled and dig your heels in, or you can understand where the league has gone since the Heatles were formed and recruiting and free agency at an all time high. And super teams and super friends and guys wanting to play together, it's changed. And if you're not willing to change, especially with the Bulls in such a huge market, you're doing yourself a disservice, I, th- I think. And even if I don't like it, I understand why it exists. And guess what? I can sit here and cry about it, but if it helps us get a title, 
It helps us get a title. And, and that was my biggest point that I was getting to. Long story short was I don't necessarily agree with it or like it, but I accept the route the NBA has gone. Right. And and here's the my 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 I'm not crazy about it either, but if you hire a guy like Karnashovas who can be the, the 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 talent evaluator in terms of draft and how to structure a roster and and build a team, and then he's like, look, I just need that face to do the back channel stuff and go get me my star, go get me my my Giannis Antetokounmpo, the the, my the, my, the mouthpiece, exactly. Be the guy who is going to put on the three thousand dollars suit. Take this guy, take these people out to Swift and Sons. You've got the connections with the agents, stuff like that. You know, why you know, wine and dine them, do a lot of back channeling, and go get me my superstar come free agent time. That's something that the Bulls have lacked in the years from not being able to land LeBron and Wade, even though they got way later, and the Carmelo in that kind of whole situation, right? It's like can, they, they got the booze cruise, man. Hey buddy, we got, got Carmelo. We got, we did get Carmelo, technically, for like got what Carmelo. two days. They also had in his twilight, and even you know, you, you, as we it was, we continue to go back to Jerry Krause and and in the documentary. You know, the Bulls have struggled to get a free agent, a big name free agent, since Jordan has left this city. And I can remember where the Bulls tried really, really hard to get Tracy McGrady uh, when he came up for free agency. They sent Benny the Bull to O'Hare, and they did all this crazy, That's silly stuff. Joke. And it's just like. That's just not how it works. You need a guy to like to be a lot more smooth with it. And if that takes a guy that's been an agent in this league, listen, if a guy has signed Zion Williamson, who's arguably the biggest prospect to come into this league in the last, or maybe since LeBron James, then he knows what he's doing in terms of marketability and knows how to speak to these players. And maybe that's something that Karnaschovas realizes that he is not as good at. Karnaschovas says, look, I can build you a really good team. I can go out there and I can scout talent. I can find guys in the draft from Europe. And I know how to, to, to make these trades and, and, and do all these kind of things. But I need you to get my star. And then what I'll do is to help you and me, I'll hire some of these analytical guys, right? I'll hire some of these really smart guys. I'll hire a capologist. And I'll make sure that we have this rock-solid super team around us, this Avengers front office and we can go out there and we all can do what we do best and build a, a really good contending yeah. basketball team, which makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of sense, especially when you kind of put it in that Avengers sense. The, you know, you can get, to kind of continue with your little analogy, you can get Hawkeye, you can get, you know, you know I, I'm drawing Hulk and all these guys, but unless you have Captain America or someone like that, you need your Tony Stark, man. To Austin Brown, real quick, like, you know, Joe Cowley, he's kind of hit or miss on some things, but he was, he did. Like, I, bag. I don't care what you say. Like he said, I think Austin Brown is in the mix. Once that report got shot down that, you know, Austin Brown, you know, his name being named a GM was imminent or they were in deep discussions. He didn't completely shoot down the idea of Brown and said that he's in the mix. And then Cowley said, this could be like Ross was saying, an Avengers like Death Star type front office and i'm like where the hell is this thing going and i'm it's more me getting excited because my biggest concern with carnage is like dude i know this guy can evaluate talent i know he can you know be structured he's diligent he's organized he's got international contacts but if the free free agency market and um that variable is not explored and amplified i'm gonna have concerns and when he came out and said well i'm looking for somebody that's not me i was like okay that's step one that's really good to hear and now you're seeing him interview finley he was uh, interviewing the guy uh, Mark Eversley from uh, the 76ers who has Nike connections. Mark Hughes, uh, now this Austin Brown guy. I'm like, all right, he's. I like what he's doing. I like where he's going with the search. Now we'll see who he hires. But Austin Brown's 31 years old. The dude is 31. He's only 31. Oh God. Yeah. yeah well, according well, to all, what have I accomplished in my life is the question. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he's really young. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at is like, holy, holy shit. What happens? I don't know what his structure is going to look at, look like, but what happens if he gets like Austin Brown is like a high level role. Then he gets like a GM of operations and hire, helping hire a coach, a more traditional GM. What if it looks like that? 
And I know I'm spitballing here, but this could go a lot of different ways for how he builds it out and what the structure looks it like. It could, and the thing about it is you have to really look at his background. He started in Houston with um, – good Lord, what is his name? He's the torch carrier for freaking analytics and basketball. I'm drawing – Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey. Morey has traditionally had a huge front office. You go to Denver. Denver's got a huge front office. You go to Minnesota with Enrique, I think his name is Enrique Rojas, who he is from the Morey tree as well. But you go start looking down real GM who keeps up to date with who's in the front office, and he's got a huge front office. This isn't a coincidence. There's a saying in business, in blue-collar work, white-collar work, sports, whatever you want to say, many hands make for light work. I think he's almost abiding by that principle. It's almost like when, I'll akin it to when Matt Nagy came to the Bears and got hired as the head coach. What's the staple of an Andy Reid coaching staff? A massive staff. Every head coach that's got that's gotten hired from Nagy or from from Reed has a big staff. Pause. But when you get to where what Maury does and all his disciples, they all have large staffs. Again, pause. It's just that's kind of what I see. You know, if that makes sense, what I'm saying. Yeah, it does because. I thought, and it, it maybe I stereotyped kind of Shelvis a little bit more because he was so known for being an evaluator of talent that he'd want to head up everything and be more not a one man show, but have his kind of his uh, his claws into everything. Whereas when Paul Klee went on with Lawrence Holmes a couple of weeks ago before Connor Shelvis was hired, uh, for those of you who don't know, Paul Klee is a Denver uh, Denver beat writer um, out in Colorado, and he said no, he likes to delegate. And I was like, oh, really? Okay, so this is kind of going that route. What Dan was saying is maybe he wants a bunch of smart dudes in a room that can help him out, that he can bounce ideas off of. And I, I love it. Like, I've just been looking up this Austin Brown guy. Yeah, he was on, in 2017, he was on the Forbes 30 for 30 list, 30 under 30 list. So he's young as hell. And um, so shoot, what Joe I, was saying is he enjoys a large staff. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Call him, call him a Gandalf. Pause. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I, 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 I you're you're on one, dude. No, you're on. Uh, I was gonna say, what's changed? This is this is me daily. But, but to even to hear like Callie say like this guy's in the mix, and this uh, Austin Brown's based in Chicago too, right? If I'm not mistaken, or maybe yes, I'm wrong yes. Um, uh, he's he's has Chicago ties. I don't know if he's in Chicago anymore, but he has been in Chicago in the past. I, I, you know what, I, I kind of get excited about it, even though I don't like it, if that makes any sense at all. I don't know if it does. It's like, if you're going to go towards the direction that the landscape is going in the NBA, you might as well just push your chips in, man. Just go and balls say, out. Fuck it, right? Get also, your Leon I mean, Rose or your Rob Palinka and get these dudes in here and, you know. Look, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to talk to as many people as possible, right? From all different backgrounds and variations. And that's all it sounds like he's doing right now is talking to people. And then it doesn't hurt to the smartest leaders in any position or, or any uh, field put other smart people around them. And they don't have an ego big enough to think that, oh, I, I can do it all by myself. Because you can't. There's no way that you can. The, the NBA is is now more global than ever, right? There's no way that you can. It's the second every, most. It's the second biggest sport in the world. Sure. Yeah. There's no way that you can look at every single prospect all over the world and also know the entire cap situation and how to massage the cap and how to. Uh, you know, uh, recruiter free agent and, and how to, you know, keep fans engaged. And then, oh, by the way, how to evaluate the coach on the, on the, on the, that you have now or the coach that'll be coming in and the talent that you have. It's just way too much for one guy. So you need to literally have five or six people around you that can help you carry that, carry that load. Pause. And <laughs> done. That's awesome. Dude, that's fucking on mark. Nice. I need to get one in. Fuck. Hey, pause. 
There we go. I got it. It <laughs> doesn't count. You can't just make one for yourself. <laughs> he did. Ross did. You did. I said I got to get one in. Boom. Pause. Yeah, get one in. That's what she said. Um, but yeah, it, it just makes it just makes perfect sense to me, and I'm I'm super intrigued to where this goes. Not this podcast. This podcast is off the rails. Where this search goes. <laughs> podcast has been off the rails. <laughs> so it makes it great. So 100% makes it great. But, like, the NBA is such about – and I know every league is about talent acquisition, right? And the NBA, it's so it's different, though, right? It's like development, okay. Just find guys. International. Draft. Uh, well, I mean, Jokic is coming in 2023. I'm just saying. I 100% actually believe that. So <laughs> – I know you do. Why? Yeah, I do. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, and him and, and Fred Van Vliet this summer. Here he comes. He's going to be knocking down threes and guarding your best wing player. <laughs> There's just no need for you to be disrespectful and shooting my ideas down in my... <laughs> Look on Ross's face just now. What the fuck are you guys... Sorry. Um... <laughs> <laughs> We really need to put ourselves up on YouTube Live while we do this because I think it'd be a lot funnier if people were to watch us. Who the fuck are these guys? But it's such a different like energy now than I don't know if we'd ha- be having this much fun under uh, the previous regime. Like everything's out in the open, we can get fired up and. Um, oh, I got a question. Don't know shit. Like, you, uh, just kind of real quick. I'm kind of tying in the last dance to uh, to Karnashovas and where this new operation is going. To answer Some, your question, yes, I'll hire Tim Floyd as GM. Good, that's where I was going. <laughs> there was, so, you know. Joe's highly upset. I am, because you, I'm ADD. If you get me off track, I can't get my thought back. So, Jerry Reinsdorf, it was bad It was bad PR for him. It was. Uh, for, like, Jerry Krause, and I wouldn't say the Bulls brand, but their operation at the time. You, you heard a lot of people say, wow, I didn't even know this. Wow, they're cheap as fuck. Wow, you know, I can't believe this is this toxic they got rid of the goat. Do you think at all that the Bulls brand was impacted? And did you think it makes Karnaschovas' job harder? I don't. I don't want this to be like a loaded question because personally, I don't. I don't think so. But I'm curious to how. It, it, do you think it, at, at all that the Last Dance is bad PR for kind of where Karnaschovas wants to take? The direction I don't think. It, I don't think it makes his job harder. But I do think it makes the people that he's evaluating to come in his front office look a lot different. Would you have gotten a top player agent in the game as a potential GM candidate if the stigma that has been over the years and is coming out more now is the Bulls don't like free agents, right? Or they can't get the big name and they treat players like crap. I mean, that's fair. I mean... I guess I always come from the standpoint, for the most part at least, of there's no such thing as bad press. The Bulls are in the news. Matter of fact, they're the only NBA team in the news. If you look at transaction-wise in the front office, you look at the last dance, they're the only team making noise right now, for better or for worse. Then you have to couple in with that. It's a top three market in the United States. I think the Jordan shadow thing is dead. Now, it's, I mean, the guy won 20 years ago. Who cares? I don't think it was, I think it was a Jordan shadow in the sense of, like, what Krause did to him and the impact that that had more so than guys not wanting to to live up to the shadow. Because Kevin Garnett's on record of saying, I believe, Ross, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that, you know, hell no, I would never go to Chicago. They treated the GOAT like crap. And that's why he would it, never go. He was public about that too. So the players know, right. man. They all talk to each other. So it's the it's the stigma of Jerry Reinsdorf stuck with Jerry Krause. He picked Jerry Krause over Phil Jackson, the players, and still allowed Jerry Krause to go through not one rebuild but two rebuilds. Right? Jerry Krause got to pick Elton Brand, and then he also got to pick Jay Williams, and he also got to pick Chandler and Curry. That's that's multiple rebuilds right there. So and it's then, part of the course. Right, and then, so people are just like, boy, these guys really don't know what they're doing at the top. And then to, to further pile on to that, it's now looking at the guard pack situation. It's like, well, Ryan Zorf did it again. He didn't get rid of the guys at the top at the time he should have got rid of the guys at the top. So it's that's where the that's stigma fair. comes in. 
That's where the stigma comes in. That's where the the front office led by Carnage Service needs to kind of like shake that tree. And look, I think Michael Reinsdorf has a lot to do with this too. I, I mean, we've seen in Chicago with Rocky Wirtz, right? Like it's a it's a com- it's a completely different situation from Father the Son, and the Son rejuvenated that Blackhawks franchise, and they were able to win three Stanley Cups. A lot of this also falls on Michael Reinsdorf's shoulders, and I think he made a big first step in admitting that Garpax needs to go. And I need to go to current service and allow him to uh, put everything that, that he needs to put in terms of front office. Just kind of do his own thing. Yeah. This is, this is your gig. Do what you need to do. Well, so I got, well, we got about 10 more minutes on, on this podcast. Um, we're going to continue talking to the GM search um, and kind of on this topic too. Cause I, I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. And how would you approach like if you're kind of service, you're well aware, not just from around the league, but from working with the bulls, Maybe the, you know, how the, the operation and everything else, how would you approach? So if you're going to pitch a free agent, right, how would you go to address concerns about ownership or the previous operation? Would you try to get out ahead of it? Would you wait for them to bring it up? I'm of the belief that you kind of get out and, and address the elephant in the room and say, look, it's going to be different here. We recognize this and here's how it's going to be different. So how would you I, kind of attack or would you even would you even bring it up or would you completely get get the hell away from it? I would probably pro- be closer to your camp, Joe. I would try to, I would try to get out ahead of it, address the elephant in the room, and really just kind of let them know that we aren't the Paxton and Garform and Lead Bulls. This isn't, you know, Jerry Krause or or Jerry Reinsdorf rather in my ear or Michael Reinsdorf in my ear because. I think both of them will tell you they don't know squat about anything in terms of sports. They're businessmen. Their job is the bottom line. But I think Arturis, it's a challenge, and it's also kind of nice to not have a Mark Cuban-style leader in your ear. Where Mark Cuban fancies himself an evaluator. He thinks he's part of the team. And in reality, is he? Or is, um, forget who runs the... Uh, Donnie Nelson. Donnie, Nelson, Donnie right? Nelson. Don Nelson's kid, yeah. Or is it Don Nelson's show and, and, and Cuban just is like kind of says what I say goes because I'm the owner, you know? And, and not that I'm disparaging Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban's got a title more recently than the Bulls do, obviously. But I'm just saying in, the, in terms of the dynamic, I don't think the Reinsdorfs are hands-on with basketball at all. I Hell, no they there. Hell no there. Hell no there. We've seen examples of it, right? Hell no, they aren't? No, no not hands-on with basketball. No, they're not. They, they right. don't care. They let their guy do their job. Okay, yeah. Sorry. And, My bad. My bad. And, and I think Karnaschovas is going to have free reign of this organization. He's going to be able to do what he wants. If he wants to field a team of 15-Euro guys, he's going to be able to field a team of 15-Euro guys. That's just how it goes. But I don't think that it's going to be as much as a sticking point as people think it is. I think the issue with it is, it's going back to the, the Jerry Krause quote of players don't win championships, organizations win championships or whatever, you know, I think Karnaschovas is smart enough to understand that if you get, say you hire Milton Newton as a hypothetical, and he's got a great relationship with Giannis Antetokounmpo come next summer, and you're able to get Giannis Antetokounmpo into Chicago, is everything not different? Yeah, everything, everything's different. Like, it where would where, where would the Bulls be that, with Giannis? Where would the Bulls be with like somebody with Giannis? Current cur, current roster, add Giannis. Like, where do you slot them into the East? Just hypothetically, it'd be a top three team in the East easily. Top top two three team without one, without much thought. One one player, easily. man. That easily. matters, Correct. right? And like I said earlier, when your best player can touch the ball every time up the floor, and you don't have to wait for. Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Eloy Jimenez, Mike Trout, or whoever it might be to come up to the dish to take his turn, that matters. It's the same reason why a great quarterback in the NFL matters. The quarterback controls the play and touches the ball every time the ball is snapped. Like, things like that matter. And it's why it's like, it's so weird to kind of like, admit that to yourself as a sports fan because you're like, oh yeah, it's a team game, you know, team this, team that. But 
in essence, yeah, it's a team, but it's a team dominated by the best individual. It's why you have to look. the The, the pass is going to come up. It's it's always going to come up until you're until you're able to to overcome it. And so you have to address it, and you have to address it head on. You got to be honest, and then you have to say in response. Look, here's the vision that we have. Here is the real vision that we have to get away from that. And here are the people that I've brought in to help us. And, and this is, you have to show people like in front of their face why this won't be this way anymore. And, and, and guys will start to buy in. You know, it's, you know, when you start to hire a competent coach and develop talent on the, on the court, Kobe White gets. I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree with yeah, Ross you know, and, guys and will start them. to buy in. Free agents will start to buy in. Free agents will come here when you improve the product <laughs> everywhere. Free agents will especially come here the second you get a player worth a damn who wants to be here. Like, and wants to recruit. Like, and I'm not trying to disparage Derrick Rose or anything, but Derrick Rose is priority. And that's part of what us in Chicago, being the blue collar city that we are, I say blue collar with air quotes around it. Loved when he said, I don't recruit. I let my play do the talking. If you want to come play with me, you can play with me. I mean, he had that famous quote of when LeBron James was a free agent of, or that famous story that came out about him, not quote, that um, he said, if you come to Chicago, it's my team still. Which we all know if LeBron came to Chicago, it wasn't Derek's team anymore. When LeBron goes somewhere, it's his team. But it was what endeared Derek to the, Derek to the fans on top of being from our city. But you you have to just understand that you have to recruit in today's NBA. You have to do these things in order to make your franchise more desirable. And right now, even as much as I'm not sure I'm I'm on Joe's level, but I really like Zach Levine. Zach can talk, he can do this, that, and the other, but at the moment he's a second, maybe third option on a really good team. Who cares? At the end of the day, really, who cares? There's a lot of good second and third options in the NBA. Kevin Martin put up 22, 23 points a game for a dog shit Sacramento team. No one cares. Sacramento never won. He never won. So at yeah, the end of the day, it's it's about winning. And you can't be. I think we talked about it on our our first new three office podcast about not being beholden to any of the current core, whether it's Lowry, whether it's Levine, whether it's nope. Kobe, whether Don't it's Carter. No, just allow it to allow yourself to, and you have to like, along with Karnaschovas, I think, you know, if you know basketball, you should also evaluate these guys too. And to kind of help yourself out and maybe, see, you know, see his vision and kind of where he wants to take this because he could very well keep a, three of them. He could get rid of three of them. He could keep two of, you know, we don't. He could keep all of them. He could keep all of them. You may see the front court of Wendell and Lowry as the modern NBA front court. Like they both make, they're both playmakers. They both can put the ball on the floor a little bit. They both can shoot a little bit. Yeah. And he may, and he may not want to make a a rash decision either. I think Ross talked about that. It's like, he's got some time on some of these guys. Well, Lowry may be quicker because, you know, you might have to pay the dude. Uh, But with like Kobe or Wendell. Well, Ross is the majority shareholder in Lowry stock. So he, yeah, he's banking. (laughs) <laughs> I, I still I still think Larry Markinen under a, a a better leadership is a better basketball player than what he's shown. What what do you think he's a better player? What do you but... Ross just quick on uh, uh, real quick on Lowry? What do you think Lowry is? Do you think he's like a top thirty guy? Do you think he's a top forty guy? Do you think he's a top twenty guy to speak? Real he's well, he's got top twenty talent because he's a big man who can shoot and he can pass and he's relatively athletic. I think Lowry's he, biggest, he's a better athlete than people think. It's because he's right. tall and white that people don't want to give it to him. Right. I think Lowry's problem is he came into a very difficult situation that he, as a young man, he's he's uh, you know a foreigner for the most part, even though he went to Arizona uh, University, and he came into a difficult spot. There was no structure here. There was, there was no foundation for him to grow as a player and as a young man. And I think we've seen this time and time again in the NBA. When you get very, very young guys who come into dysfunction, they will not flourish underneath that. And I think Larry, unfortunately, is a product of that situation. I mean, we I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about Darko Milicek and, and, and how oh, Darko is the most 
impossible situation ever. He went to a Larry Brown team led, you know, with Rasheed Wallace, who's a jerk, Chauncey Billups, hard ass, Bell Wallace, hard ass, Tayshawn Prince, hard ass, and they all treated him like crap. And he ended up like confidence shot and he flamed out, you know? Yeah, I, I'm with you too on that. And, and with Lowry, he seems kind of impressionable. Like he's not an alpha guy. Well, he's like Jordan, right? He was like, he understood what the situation was. I'm going to change it. Lowry doesn't seem like that type of guy yet. So, you know. He probably never will be, man. He's not, no, he's, not a, he's not an alpha. He's not an alpha personality, which is fine. He doesn't have to be. And he might not, he'll probably never be a one on a, on a very good team, but I think he could be a really good three. Yeah, and damn good two or three and make a lot of money and have a really damn good career in this this nba and, and like you, you guys are saying like you guys are saying a structure would really help out lowry and make listen, it easier for him like, just to go out there and fucking play and not have to yeah. worry about anything else look at a guy like clay thompson right that is not an alpha personality basketball player that's just not in his dna he flourished so much more under the leadership of steve kerr than he did mark jackson right Steve, will we say Clay Thompson is a top twenty guy in the league when he's healthy? Hell yeah, yeah, he's cool. Yeah, if not, he's just on the outside looking in. He's also just. the same. Guy, he's also the same guy that was like, "Oh, I'd be willing to give up my second spot for Kevin Durant." Like he just doesn't have that personality. You know, there are guys that are like that in the league, but are still really, really good. And there's guys like Draymond who are delusional, which is fine. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just like we'll find out on Sunday, every team needs a Robin. No debate. I think you need an asshole. You need some sort of oh, absolutely. That you guy. Need you need yeah. some G to you. No matter yeah, what, people. I would love a team full of good dudes who, you know, a bunch of choir boys off the floor. You know, but it's it's a competitive sport with a bunch of alpha personalities. You're yeah, gonna you right. need friction. You need friction, man. You need guys who challenge each other. Trying to get think, up on it. Who was it? Charlie Casserly who said you can never draft a team full of choir boys because it'll never work. I want to say it was him when he was the the Redskins GM. He said you cannot draft all choir boys because it'll never work. And it's true. You can't. So, like like with us, man, I'm uh, I'm going to disagree with Dan as much as possible and that creative friction and everything else. And that's no. Joe's just mad because I'm almost six foot and he's like 5'3". It's fine. Why you say that? Because I'm Italian? All Italians are short? No, it's because I know you in real life and you are short. I am. That's why I played soccer and not, you know, a sport that requires any sort of height. <laughs> or athleticism. What? Oh! <laughs> On that note, uh, we're, we're going to wrap. Um, like I said, we'll be coming to you every every week. And uh, next week, we'll probably, again, do the same thing as we did this week. We'll recap episodes three and four of uh, the Rodman episodes with The Last Dance. You know, preview episodes five and six, which I know they've leaked online. <sighs> I'm not going to watch them personally. I'm going to watch them on Sunday. I think there's a communal aspect to it. I don't want to ruin it for myself. So, um, I'm God, trying to. This is again my. This is my youth showing. I'll probably watch them all this weekend because I've got nothing to do and all day to do it. <laughs> I'm just staring at you because I can't believe. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe this young kid doing this. So young. I'm, Don't I, look at me in that tone of voice. Wait, what? This make, that makes zero sense. Zero yeah. sense. Yeah, just like your basketball knowledge. Because there's Boom. nothing going there's nothing going on upstairs in my head. So, <laughs> jokes on me. <you. laughs> um, so, uh, like I said, next week we'll talk about the last dance, and then maybe we'll have an update or two. Maybe we'll have a hire for GM. You know, more front office positions. We might even I'm if there's for GM. I'm here for it. Um, you know, if there is a hire from GM that comes sooner than we think, we, we might just hop on immediately um, to do an, an, an emergency pod, right? An instant reacts. Uh, it's just an interesting mm-hmm. time. Man. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up and I'm happy to be back on with you guys. Any other um, any other tidbits? Um, do we have another joke? Do you have another pause joke, Dan? Do you have anything off the... No, I, I, have, I have a normal joke, though. Okay, go. Okay. What is a pirate's favorite letter? R. You may think it's the R, but actually it's the C. Oh, God. That's actually good. You set me up. You son of a bitch. You set me up. My my last, well, my last inappropriate joke on that note is, uh, is just hurry up and finish. (laughs) Pause.
That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, both. Later, guys. All right, everybody. The end of the pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win it! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. Lead pass. Whoa! Stop it! Stop it! Don't do it like that! What are you doing, Dragic? Did you not get the memo? Derrick Rose can go upstairs. I want to go higher! Crosses over the fadeaway. Let me step back and kiss myself. MVP time. Randy City Assassin does it again. Gets past the bucket. Stolen by Noah. Noah on the runway. Noah with the right hand. And done. Counted the foul. I don't believe what I just saw. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship.